Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We are so pumped to have a good friend with us this morning on Perry and Shauna Mornings. Yes, Dr. Marina Hoffman is back with us again today. That's Hoffman with one F. And she is a Bible professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University. And her award-winning book, Women in the Bible Small Group Bible Study, is now available on Amazon. So check that out. You can access a free video series as well on Women in the Bible at womeninthebible.com. Dot info And Marina is an advocate for faith, for family, and freedom in Palm Beach County. She's a homeschool mom as well. Good morning, Marina. Hi, Shauna. So good to be with you and Perry this morning. Oh, so good to have you back with us. Now, some of our listeners have not yet met you, Marina, and kind of heard your story, but you had a traumatic experience that God used to really shape your life. Tell us what happened. That's right. I was finishing. I'd finished my education finally, barely for a month, and life was really finally starting for me when I was coming home from a family event with my husband, and someone was coming toward us on the highway. We're each going about 70 miles an hour, and this driver just passes out or falls asleep somehow and plows right into us at that very high speed. So you can imagine the jolt that was to our bodies and really no one tends to survive in any way Mm -hmm. those types of impacts. However, we did survive one way or another. God saved our lives. It was just really one miracle after another, Shauna. At one point, my husband lost control of the car because the brakes had disengaged and he threw his body over onto the passenger seat to protect me. And that alone saved our life. The His engine ended up going into his own seat, but he wasn't mm-hmm. sitting there mostly. He was over. So he, he has a crushed hip, but that was it. And then for me, he took all the airbags, which saved my life because I had holes in my bowels. So it was an absolute mess, but God preserved our life. It's such an amazing story. Now, I need to know, Marina, are you sitting crisscross applesauce in your closet? (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. So, yeah, the first time we talked with Marina, you know, we tried to get the, we don't want a lot of reverb in the background, you know, echoing around. So she crawled in the closet and that's her place (laughs) where she talks with us. and, And we appreciate you taking one for the team, Marina. (laughs) Yes, it also helps me get away from my daughter, except that she likes to sneak in and sit here and listen. Okay, well, if we get a little surprise visit, we'll let her say hello and and hear from her as well today. Can you tell us a little bit more about what injuries you did incur from that accident, Marina? Yes. So when they brought me to the hospital, I nearly died. Thankfully, the surgeon was practiced and older and just took one look at me and knew that all the dives the nurses were about to do were no good. She saw that my skin was gray. So she rolled me into the emergency operation and actually took out all my organs and felt them one by one Mm. and found the four holes and stitched me up, which was amazing. Mm. And that wouldn't have been done by most young surgeons today. And then, um, well, the, you know, there was nothing really to do with my brain. They just had to wait and see what was wrong. And a few days later, when I still couldn't talk, they knew something was very wrong with my brain. And then I was diagnosed with a brain injury that impacted my speech and everything else, but also anxiety and depression and PTSD from the trauma of it, but also the brain injury. So 
Shauna, it was very hard to live life. I don't think fear is a diagnosis, but that was my mm. biggest problem. I was simply terrified of everything, and I didn't even want to leave my bed ever. We're talking with Dr. Marina Hoffman, Bible professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and her award-winning book is Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. So the physical injuries, the, the brain injury, how long did it take to recover from that, Marina? Well, it was 60 days before I could say a single syllable without stuttering. So I finally said the word yes and no. Mm -hmm. And after that, it took maybe two years before I accidentally smiled with a little bit of genuine feeling. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it just went on. The real change that happened in my life was about five years later when I finally had my baby girl that really helped because it was a lot of joy in my life with her. And I think that helped me get over the last major, you know, the last major feeling of ongoing depression. But up until then, it had been a long road of therapy and, of course, leaning on my faith and my community. And how did you experience Jesus during those times? It was a dark season for you as you recovered anxiety, depression, and recovering from just massive physical injuries how did Jesus show up when you didn't feel, you know, you didn't feel like all the goodness and the joy in your life? How did he show up? Yes, you're really right. It was a very lonely time as well because my brain injury really prohibited me from thinking. So I would spend hours not really able to think and feeling completely alone, even though I wasn't literally alone, but I wasn't even aware of other people. And I remember in those early days, I just kept thinking of one verse, which was to live as Christ. And I had taught on that verse and used it many times in my profession, but I had never experienced it in that way. And I realized that for me in those days, it wasn't only a metaphor of the spiritual life that God gives us, but it was also literal for me. And I realized I had to fully depend on God or I would not have been able to make it through. And I remember many times there was just, I'd wake up in the morning and I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. And I remember thinking that no matter how strong I could be, there was no way I could make it through unless it was the strength of the Lord really that would push me forward. And I think another way Perry was facing my fears. It was very, hard to even sit in a car afterwards. And I kept thinking, you know, the Lord is with me. And even though I don't see any path ahead, I don't see any future for me. I couldn't see past my injuries. I knew that the that God promises that he has a future for us and a purpose. And I think sometimes when we don't feel the feelings of our faith, we can decide in our mind to trust God, mm-hmm. even before we see the signs that he's with us. Marina, thank you for sharing your story. I'm I'm so sorry for what you have had to go through. And thank you for just sharing how God met you in that place. We've got just an incredible group of people that meet us in the morning and spend time with us. And they're tuned in right now. And some of them, their story is not the same as yours, but they're just going through it, like really going through it. What would you say, um, you know, Just in closing on this conversation, what would you say to the person right now who does feel incredibly alone and doesn't see hope in the future? 
I would say that the old-fashioned principles of counting our blessing and finding joy in the Lord, Shauna, at the bottom level, after all the help the world can give us, that's what it still comes down to. It comes down to committing our ways to the Lord, to prayer, even when we don't feel like it, but to trust that if we stay close to the Lord, He will be faithful and He will give us a sense of joy again. And I think practically speaking, it might encourage your listeners to remember there are so many people that are lonely. And sometimes it just takes one lonely person to reach out to build a sense of community. And that's certainly in my life. I got to a place a couple years ago with all the shutdowns and isolation. I was so lonely, Shauna. I realized I was dying and I didn't have COVID. I was dying because I was so lonely. So I just started to get together with a bunch of friends and it changed my life. And I found that there are many people looking for friendship and maybe I need to be the one to call, even though that's stressful and it's anxiety filled to just pick up the phone and call a friend. But you might find that the person wants to talk to you and there you go. 30 minutes later, your spirits lifted up. Tell us about the time when you gathered up the courage to tell your students about the accident and what the reaction to that was. That's right. When I first went back to teaching university, I was very, very insecure and highly aware at all times of my shortcomings. Mm -hmm. So I thought the best way forward was to try my very best to rehearse my lectures over and over. And I think that helped me have the courage to actually show up for the class. However, you know, it didn't bring me happiness. I was very stressed out every single day. It was just way too much pressure. But that's that was my approach. So we went through Genesis, right, the first book of the Bible. Then we got to Exodus after a week or two. And here I was rehearsing and preparing to talk about all the miracles of God that happened in ancient days. And I realized, Perry, that there was such a miracle in my own life, it would be very relevant to tell the class, even though I was terrified to do so. And I thought, you know, they'll judge me and all these fears I had. But I very, I felt convicted from the Lord strongly. So there I was. I gave myself about five minutes before the bell would ring. And mm -hmm. I told my story. I'm sure I mumbled it. I know I didn't look up. I was so anxious and nervous. When I finally looked up, Harry, I saw a room of about 30 university students in tears, every single one of them. And something beautiful and unexpected happened. They loved my story. They were so thankful. And for the rest of the semester, they were willing to open up themselves. Wow. It created such a beautiful atmosphere in the room. And they were so willing to help me. So instead of being judged for forgetting a Bible reference, they actually jumped on Google to find it and help me out. So it was beautiful. Marina, we want to zoom in. I know you've got eight different characters that you talk about in your Bible study, but can we talk just about Mary for a minute? And how can we relate to Mary? You know, I think so many of us picture Mary as a person with a halo on her head and just perfect in every way, the perfect mom. And surely she was a righteous person. But I think sometimes that iconic art creates an issue because we forget the about the humanity of Mary. And, you know, when I went through my accident and all the trauma, and then I went back to the Bible, I realized that what Mary went through was also traumatizing. This angel comes and tells her she's going to have a child, and it's apart from 
her husband, this man she's going to marry. It's before she gets married. And this child is going to be the son of God. And this is really, in a sense, traumatizing because it's nothing that's ever been done before. So how can she possibly respond? And we find indeed that this changes her life. And because we keep seeing her with Jesus throughout the Gospels, we see it changed her life forever, Mm -hmm. even past her son's life when he goes back to heaven. So I think the fact that her life changes so dramatically tells us that she too went through a form of trauma that she had to make a choice in how she would respond. Mm. Yeah. And when people found out that she was pregnant and she wasn't married, you know, they, they didn't believe in the virgin birth. That's for sure. So she had to face shame as well. Yeah. And and how did the community around her respond? We don't know Perry, but we do know that she goes away right? She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. So what drove her to leave her family when she really needed them? As every woman who's been pregnant knows, you need family around. It's an exhausting time. And yet she chooses to travel away. So I think there's an indication that there was hardship even within her family as they received this news. And she had a plan, right? I mean, this is the part where I relate to Mary. Mary had a plan. (laughs) She had a calendar. She had, I'm getting married. You know, she's planning the wedding and all of the things, right? And then this was such a drastic change from what she was anticipating. There's an opportunity for us in this too, in our own lives, when things just go radically different than what we're planning to trust in God. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thought. I think sometimes in this a similar way, I think of her dreams, right? She must have had a dream of something she was going to do with her life and what mm-hmm. it would look like. And God challenged everything and her life changed course, but she was willing to trust him. And how beautiful that no matter what she had envisioned of her life, surely it turned out to have a much greater impact than she could ever have imagined because she did listen to God and she did follow his call. There are people, there's somebody listening right now and they're facing their own challenges, their own PSTD, PSTD, PTSD, PTSD. They're facing their own challenges, their, their own hurts and their own trials. Uh, what can you say to them about trusting in God? It's so hard to trust God when it's hard. Yes, look at Mary's life. So this angel tells her this news, and it's going to devastate her life in some ways, certainly at least in her relationships for people who just won't believe her. And yet she's willing to say yes, even though she can't see the future ahead of her. And I think that's a key for all of us trying to overcome these challenges of depression, loneliness, anxiety, PTSD. We can have faith that God has a future for us. Mm -hmm. And even though we wonder, Lord, how did you allow this trauma in our life to happen, this accident, this broken relationship? maybe issues in our body that's resulted in anxiety, all kinds of troubles, Perry. But I think we can look to Mary and have the same kind of faith and trust that if God allowed this to happen, indeed, somehow that we can't see right now, He will use it for good. And it's possible that in the end, our life will be even better. And Perry, I can say that from my own life too. I never... I didn't even know if I would ever be normal and not need care from others. And yet God has so richly blessed me. And part of that is because I did suffer. Yeah. And Marina Hoffman is with us and she is the, a professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, was in a head-on crash and it took five years for her to recover. And, you know, in those moments, those dark moments, we have to make a choice to trust. I know that I went through a severe depression quite a number of years ago and 
It was Christmas morning of 1996, and I felt cut off from God, Marina, because of my depression. And I thought that I was no longer his child. And I had to make a choice. You know, first of all, my bride said, you know, you just have to trust God blindly. It's not about your feelings. And she told me you're going to make it. But I, I had to walk out of that just making the decision to trust and understanding that faith is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Faith is a decision to trust what God has said. And it was so hard to learn that. And and it still sometimes is hard to learn that, that faith is a decision to trust when it's, when there's, there's no evidence that you should trust. Yeah, I think like um, Shauna said, we all have plans and in none of our plans is there suffering or agony or loss. And yet when we have these struggles in life, how beautiful that we can rely on our faith and hear the testimony of of others. And I think your testimony, Perry, is one that Mm. most people have gone through at one time or another. Mm. It's you feel at a loss. How do I overcome depression? How do I find joy? But being willing to take every step forward. And even for me, you know, mostly I'm recovered, but I still have days where a voice tells me I can't do this or that life is purposeless, Mm -hmm. all these negative thoughts in my head. And just like you say, we have to choose those days to get up and move forward and trust that God has a plan and that he's with us and that somehow in that day we'll find a sense of joy. And I think sometimes tuning into the Lord and praying, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, God, show me where your joy is today, even if it's just the joy of being surrounded by the ones I love. Marina, talk about Mary's obedience and what that looked like and what that required and the cost of her obedience to God. Right. So we just talked about how Mary can't see the future when this angel comes to her. She has to go forward in faith. And how amazing that she goes forward with the attitude of let God's will be done. And she obeys. She just follows God's plan. And she fully commits to this calling of God to bear Christ. And I think it's beautiful that we see such a faithful picture of her. We see her at the wedding in Cana. And even then, it's a remarkable scene. You know, Jesus is hesitant to do his first miracle. He says no. And yet Mary pushes him to do it and knows that his time has come. So it just goes to show the closeness of this mother to her adult son and that she's faithful to God in this calling to care for him his whole life. Okay, you have to use your holy imagination on this one because you're not going to find it in scripture. But that particular, you know, snapshot that you just mentioned about between Jesus and his mom at the wedding. Like, I love this because where in the world would a mom come up with this idea, right? She's raised this boy. If it's his first public miracle, but I just got to believe there were times when, you know, he was like, mom, can you make chocolate chip cookies? And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, honey, we don't have sugar. And he's like, uh, check again. (laughs) Yeah, we do. You know what I mean? Just again, you have to use your holy imagination on this, but she had reason to believe that he could do the impossible. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, Shauna, how else did he, did she know that he could do miracles? I think that your point is valid. There must have been something very supernatural about him in addition to this word from the angel, right? But she's a mom. She spends all the time with him. She raises him. I can't imagine how, you know, she envisioned his life and just to be with him, to know that God had such a unique call on her son's life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
Marina Hoffman. She's a professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and she was in a head-on car crash with her husband, 70 mile an hour, both vehicles, and, and they survived that. Took five years to recover. Uh, Marina, what have you learned about obedience to God through your trauma, through your, your deep waters that you've been through? I've learned that God is faithful beyond my imagination. And, you know, we have these we have these thoughts for our life, our plans. We have what we think is right. We have the ways of the world preached at us all the time. But it's often in those moments where we can't see the future. And against all the wisdom of the world, we trust God. And we have a sense of intuition. We pray. We're sure it's from the Lord. In those moments, God does incredible things. And I think it's beautiful because I think obedience is tied to being tested right? We're tested and we choose to obey God. We choose to be faithful. And then we see what God does, not only in our external life and in the lives of others through us, but even within us. And I know that the Lord has taught me so much and has built my character in many ways, but most often through the times that I was obedient and faithful, even though I couldn't see the path ahead. So we're zooming in on just the story of Mary with it being Christmas time and being December. And, you know, Mary got this call on her life, this incredible call on her life, not just for a season of being pregnant and giving birth, but it really was a lifelong call. Talk about the role that faithfulness played in Mary's call. You know, I think faithfulness is the core to what Mary accomplished because it was her commitment to God before she could see what the future holds and what this promised son would bring about in her life that really made Mary a successful a successful follower of Christ. And I think it's so beautiful because her calling is not so different from ours. I mean, it's not as dramatic, but I think it's beautiful how her calling is to be faithful to God and bear Christ. And Shauna, I love that we bear Christ in our own ways through the actions and words that we speak to show the fruit of the Spirit, to bless others, to reach out and do something for the Lord. And faithfulness includes suffering. Talk about that. Absolutely. You know, I think so many times our society pushes away from suffering and we desire to have no suffering in our life, right? It's not a positive topic. And yet so often to do something really amazing for the Lord, for his kingdom on earth involves suffering. I think of the simple ways that it take suffering often to stand up for what we believe in. And like Mary, we can face ridicule sometimes from our own family for following God's path. So we can see God's call and we can see the path of suffering often are intertwined. And yet it, I think it can give us a very rich life, a very satisfying and meaningful and fulfilled life when we choose the path of following God's calling, even though it does take a sense of suffering, because that's where we make a difference in this world. Marina, I think the whole idea of calling that a lot of folks, you know, you hear the word calling and you think, well, you know, pastors have a calling, like Mary had a calling, but like, I'm just an average ordinary person. <laughs> How does this whole idea of calling and faithfulness that you're talking about, I don't know that I would be able to do that. How would you respond to that? 
You know, it's true. And I think when I was younger, I spent a lot of time hoping and desperately praying for this incredible call in my life to do something amazing. But when I gave birth to my little baby girl, and even really before, the sense that my calling was now a mother was huge in my life. And I'm amazed. I'm a homeschool mom, Shauna. So I really am close to my daughter. But I am stunned every day how she becomes so much like me and my influence on her is huge. And I am so delighted now to think how no matter what God calls me to do in life and no matter what I might accomplish, how my number one calling is right here today in my home to my family. And that's ultimately where I'll make my biggest impact and it will be lifelong. And I hope she one day has children and just my legacy lives on through her. So I think sometimes we can think of calling as something that's so dramatic and out there and with other people. But what a beautiful change when we accept, first of all, God's call in our own life to the people in our life. Because Shauna, I think it's through the people in our life that we see our greatest impact. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've been talking about Mary all morning and her calling was to be a mom too. Yes. And how amazing. No one would put down Mary for her incredible call to be the mother of Jesus. And I think similarly, especially as people of faith, you know, we should build up moms and dads and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and all the people that are in a child's life. It's so impactful. And we think today of all the um, issues with the school system and education system. And sadly, in my own county, Shauna, I think more than 50% of graduates don't even read anymore. So, you know, other people, we can't look to them to be the answer to raise a godly child, a child that will make a difference in the world. I think that really comes down to us. And it's a huge honor and certainly something we should praise amongst each other and build ourselves up because, you know, it's a calling from the Lord. If he's given us a child, it's certainly a lifelong commitment that he's called us to. Dr. Marina Hoffman is such a good friend of Perry and Shauna Mornings. She's a Bible professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University. She's got the Women in the Bible small group Bible study, and you can find out more at womeninthebible.info. And she's sitting crisscross applesauce <laughs> in her closet. Yeah. We so appreciate that sacrifice as well. It just shows <laughs> the kind of woman of character that you are. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. You know, we talk about suffering and we talked about my testimony a little bit. And I think another way, you know, sometimes I think our calling can be as simple as sharing our testimony. And for me to share the struggles I've gone through and God's great faithfulness, it's life giving to me. So I'm thankful for the opportunity, Perry. Yeah. So, you know, maybe somebody wants to reach out to you and just connect with you personally. What is the best way for a person to, you know, actually get a response from Marina Hoffman. I respond to every message for sure. They can look me up on womeninthebible.info and they can watch my free video series where I go through all the women of the Bible. And of course, they can get my study. And I just had a woman yesterday ask me if I would Zoom bomb her little Bible study. Oh, so wow. I'm really oh, looking forward awesome. to that. Oh, that's, that's so cool. fun. Oh, so people can contact you through your website. Absolutely. All right. Womeninthebible.info. So the Lord got my attention the other day. You know how, yeah, he can just get our attention any way that he wants to. He's God. He can speak anywhere through anything. I mean, it's it's been a movie at times. It's been a billboard, 
Of course, God speaks to us through his word. But the other day I had a couple of doctor's appointments back to back. When I realized that, the, that I had two appointments in one day, I thought, that's a little much. And then I thought, nah, just go for it. Get it done, you know? So I had a physical at 1130 in the morning and then I had a dental appointment to get a crown on the same day at two. And when my physical was done, there wasn't enough time to come backwards to Zealand and make it worth it or to go all the way home past the dental appointment, you know, to make it worth it. (laughs) So I ended up just kind of parking at a Starbucks on M37 and I was doing my devotions there and I felt so challenged by God. Here's what stood out to me. It was that I've been looking at every situation in my life as something that needed to be fixed. And so often I feel like it's all on me. Like I have to be the solution to everything. If there's a problem, I need to know what to do. And I felt convicted that I was actually thinking and behaving (laughs) like I have the capacity to fix everything. That sounds like a guy thing. You know, (laughs) I got to fix it. Let me fix your problem. Share your problem with me so I can fix it. Yeah, I will make it right. (laughs) Just like that. Yeah. But what came to me was that this was actually prideful. God pointed out to me that when I go into fix it mode, that it causes distance between me and him. And I'm acting like I'm God instead of him being God. And says, if God in that moment gently asked me, do you really think you can solve all the world's problems? And I was reminded of just how limited I am. And when I settle for having the solution or for being the solution, I'm settling for way less than what could be if I look to God for the solution. And God was reminding me, you know, I'm right here. Talk to me. Get my perspective. Let me counsel you. Let me show you what to do in your circumstances. It's so easy to start each day thinking that it's all on me. And it's just a intentional reset. Lord, today is not on me. It's on your capable shoulders. Yeah. I actually was called out on this several years ago by a friend of my husband's who, you know, he'd been a mentor to my husband, but he was visiting from out of town and he came to have spent some time with our family. And he was with us for a few hours before dinner. But then at dinner, at one point he just said, Shauna, have you realized how reactive you are to everything? Like, you know, a kid is thirsty and boom, you're up and you're getting juice or what you're just, you're very reactive to everything. And in a very kind way, what he was telling me was, you think you're the solution to everything, don't you? You should have said, you're Dan's mentor, not mine. I, that's what I wanted to say. I was like, stand down. This Takes is not about two me. two steps back, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But he was so, so right. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse and the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Get ready for this about your identity in Christ. You are a priest. Yep, you heard me right, a priest. A priest has an intimate relationship with God because they are pure, clean, and holy. And a priest helps people who are filthy become pure, clean, and holy. Now, you're probably thinking, I'm not pure, clean, and holy. Well, Jesus has made us holy 
by cleansing our hearts from sin through his blood shed at the cross so that we can know God face to face. He has cleansed us. He is cleansing us. And now that we've been cleansed and are being cleansed, we get to share this good news so that those who are filthy can become clean. So sharing the good news of God's grace is a priestly work. It's connecting people to God. It's being a bridge between mm-hmm. God and people. Man, that's it right there. Like being a bridge. Like our only role is to just help people get connected to him. Mm-hmm. So often I think I struggle with what I'm going to say because I think it has to sound like it's coming from God. You know what I mean? Like I got to say something really profound here. Mm. And yeah. Pressure's off on that. We just need to connect people with him. He's the one who's profound. He's got all the wisdom. Yeah. And he'll do that work. We just need to get him connected. Get people to Jesus. Yeah. I remember I had a dream and there was this little boy who needed healing. And I thought in my dream, I got to get this kid to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I brought him to Jesus. And it was the Jesus in the chosen. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So if you listen to Perry and Shauna Mornings, you've probably heard me talk about my best friend growing up. Bimmer. Bimmer. Yeah. This is is a Bimmer story. All right. I'm prepared. This is the Wonder Years. And Bimmer's dad, Don, was a best friend as well. He was one of the friendliest, welcoming guys I've ever met. I'd stay overnight at Bimmer's and we'd watch hockey games while Don, Bimmer's dad, shared World War II stories. (laughs) It was a dream. That is definitely an episode of Wonder Years. Do you remember, I wonder if you have like a clear memory of your childhood or Mm -hmm. if somehow like Fred Savage memories (laughs) made their way (laughs) into your story. (laughs) It's, It's real. Okay. All of it. It's all true. And all right. it's growing up in small town America, Shauna. I know. It's so different than growing up in L.A. I'm yeah. just, it's just yeah. different. You're Hollywood. I'm Sheboygan. <laughs> what I didn't know is that Don, Bimmer's dad, was a really broken man. He had a lot of pain inside. So fast forward a couple of decades, you know, and the Holy Spirit really put Don on my heart. But the thought of going to his house and sharing my faith with him made my palms sweat. So I wrote him a letter. And then one Labor Day when I was visiting Sheboygan, I gathered the courage to visit Don and ask him what he thought about the letter. And he said, what letter? Oh, no. He had never received it. Now my palms were sweating, but I launched in as best I could to share the faith. Mm. I made it simple. I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen and I drew a crude picture of a canyon. And by crude, I mean crude because I I have no talent in drawing. I wrote the word God on one side of the canyon. You probably recognize this illustration. God on one side of the canyon and I drew a stick man on the other. I shared with him that there's this grand canyon of sin, grand canyon of sin that separates us from a holy God but that God made a way for us to cross the great divide. And then I drew the cross to bridge the Canyon. Mm -hmm. And Don looked at me and he looked at that and he looked at me and he looked at that. And he finally said, I have never seen that before. (laughs) Oh, wow. He said, that makes so much sense. And that's the day that Don, my buddy, Bimmer's dad decided to follow Jesus. (sighs) That's awesome. And for me, it was a beautiful moment of being able to live out my identity as a priest 
just connecting people Mm -hmm. to God. What a gift. Paul says in Romans 15, Jesus gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, made clean by the Holy Spirit. Do you get the sense of that? The priestly duty, the he he had been given this duty of proclaiming the gospel and connecting people to God and through the cleansing of the spirit, offering people acceptable to God through through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we hear the word priest, it's a little bit intimidating and we're like, well, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not that, you know, but it's the role that we get to play because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. You you don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be, all you have to be is connected Mm -hmm. to God himself. And you're one of the connectors. You have to be a person in whom the spirit dwells. Yeah. And if you believe in Jesus, the spirit lives in you and you are qualified because of that. He has qualified you. I'm not competent in myself. I'm not qualified in myself, but he has made us competent as people who can bridge others to God. He has done that for us. What a gift it is. When we share the gospel and we show the gospel, we become a bridge between heaven and earth. It's big. We have a message that can make the filthiest person clean. And if you are a if you, if you see yourself as one of the most filthy persons in the world, you can be clean because Jesus' blood has that much power. But we have this message to make the, the filthiest person clean. So go into your day. Be the priest. Be the bridge that you are because you are. And don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. Mm-hmm. It's okay to rehearse. It's okay to, you know, do the work and have something that is sort of your bullet point thing. But when it comes right down to it, the Holy Spirit's going to show us what to do and what to say. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.